The grace and peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Let's turn and greet one another. Welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially those of you visiting with us today. We're so happy that you're here with us. And on each one of the pews, there is a friendship pad. It's a black folder that's near the center aisle. We'd love to have you take it and fill it out and let us know you're here and then pass it down the row so that other people can do that too. You can see what's going on in the life of the church in our connections that's inside of the bulletin. This, this morning, right after the service at 11.15 over in Tankersley Hall, if you're interested in our new group, Healthy Lifestyles, with Rafi Yates, retired Weight Watchers leader. Rafi's up there in the balcony waving at us. Uh, uh, she's going to have an information meeting over in Tankersley Hall after this service. Uh, and you can find out more about that. You can give your input. Uh, and it'll be quite a wonderful time to be able to talk about that possibility for this new group that's going to start. Tomorrow at 7 p.m., the deacons meet and they invite you to join them for their first hour when they're going to hear a speaker about elder abuse, how to recognize it and how to avoid it for yourself and for other people that you love. We meet in Tank Hall, and you're all welcome to be there at 7 o'clock tomorrow. We will just give you more seats is what we'll do if we need to. Next Sunday, right after second service, I'm having an information meeting for people who are interested in a trip to Scotland in May. Scottish Scotland is our history. We come from the Church of Scotland as Presbyterians, and so we'll be learning somewhat of that history as we go there and also visiting the island of Iona where Columba landed and was the first to bring Christianity to the islands. So it's a wonderful trip. I've been on it before. Information next week right after the service. Or if you can't come to that, please email me and I can email you the info. Abby Garcia, our wonderful junior high leader, is leaving us. She has a different job full-time. She's going to St. Andrews. And next Sunday, she will be leading us in worship. So it's a chance to say goodbye to her next Sunday. And you can see inside of the connections, she has a couple of people. It takes two people to replace her. Her sister, Olivia, and when you see her, you'll think it's Abby. I know you will. And uh, her friend, Paige. And so they will be here starting I believe this week, working with our kids. Also, the Third Friday group invites you to join them this month to hear Rob Verdi of Saxophobia. He has a collection of over 100 saxophones, all sizes, all shapes, all sorts of different things you didn't even know existed. And he will be playing a wonderful program for us, and it's a potluck. We do need you to sign up, and that's out on the patio too. There will be a new members class two weeks from today, right after second service over in Tankersley Hall. We'd love to have you sign up if you can out on the cart for that, but if you can't sign up, just come. It's a chance to find out more about us. Even if you're not ready to join, it's an informational gathering if you would like that. Also on that Sunday, September 22nd, we will have a town hall meeting after each service. Gareth is gonna have a short meeting over in Tank Hall to give you information about the pastor nominating process. So last week we handed out these forms. They are the forms by which you may suggest someone that you would like to be on the pastor nominating committee. They, they are at each one of the doors. If you didn't get one and would still like to do that, you can't just turn in their name. You need to ask them first, please, and not just assume that they're going to want to do it. We've received about 25 and you have about two more weeks to continue to uh, pass those in, and then the session will be looking at those and making, uh, making up a committee that you will be voting on at the end of the month if you want to participate in relief for those people who were uh, affected by Dorian. There's information on the front of Connections about a couple of organizations that we recommend. That's almost all. Uh, the flowers this morning are to mark the 65th anniversary of Storm and Shirley Case, and so we congratulate them, 65. 
Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let's pray. Eternal one, we gather this morning in the midst of a world full of devastation and hurt. So bring your healing to the many this morning who find their lives turned upside down, whatever the chaos, particularly those who've been in the wake of Hurricane Dorian. It is in your depths that we find healing and life. So enfold us now in your presence as we come to worship you. Restore to us your peace. Renew us in your grace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's join in the responsive call to worship. God has set before us the choice between life or death, between blessing and adversities. We long to choose life. We long to choose to be a blessing in the midst of adversity. So we gather this morning in God's presence to listen for God's word, to respond to God's spirit. We gather this morning to feast at the Lord's table, to drink the cup of blessing and to eat the bread of life. We gather, we gather together, together to, to worship, worship the living God. So let us stand and sing together.
7. Let us be seated. This morning we're going to sing Psalm 139. It's a new version of this psalm, a new rendition by the Gettys. We'll sing the refrain twice each time. And we'll teach it, the praise team will teach it to you as Bob is playing it. And then we'll sing it together. psalmist calls us to confession. God, you search us and know us. You know what's at the depths of our hearts. Our sins are not hidden from you. We bring them into the light, trusting in you. You who formed us from the earth. You who shaped us for goodness. You who promised that all that is broken will be made whole in Christ. And so we pray responsively. When we are overwhelmed by the pain of the world and we fail to look at our own part, O oh Lord, forgive our complicity. When we feel overwhelmed by disasters and we fail to take action, O oh Lord, forgive our complacency. When we feel threatened by change, and we can only condemn, criticize, and complain. O oh Lord, forgive our need to be in control. O oh Lord, in your great mercy, 
free us from our self-concern so that we may have your eyes and your heart of compassion and love. And so we bring you the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. My friends, the God who calls us is the God who created us, the God who has made us, the God who loves us. Trust the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. we are off on a great adventure. We don't like to think of it as an adventure across the wilderness, but if we are honest, we are in uncharted ground. How long has it been since this church searched for a senior pastor? Over 40 years. I would say that is major uncharted ground. And so our mission study has been approved by the Committee on Ministry, and now we are free to nominate a pastor nominating committee. And your nominations are being received by the session who will nominate the slate that you will vote on for September the 29th. And so in honor of that journey, in the middle of the wilderness, we are going to preach through Exodus, which is a rather daunting thing to do, because there are a number of parts of Exodus where the preacher looks and says, huh? I'm not sure what to do with that. But there are some other passages that just come out and hit you in the face. The general Exodus theme is the name of the book. The people leave one place and venture to another. However, you may not know this, but the name Exodus doesn't mean leaving. It simply means names. These are the names. And so we are going to spend quite a bit of time 
with names in the book of Exodus. And we are going to spend some time with names today. In the Hebrew Scriptures, names really count. The absence of names are also important to note because there are many nameless people that will remain nameless for the duration of the preaching. Today, we look at chapter 1 and we venture into the pre-pattern of life that existed before the coming of Moses, the one who is named as the deliverer of Israel. And so we came up with this title. In the amazing prequel to Moses, women are stars. That's a pretty relevant cultural title, isn't it? Because women are looking to be stars. Say amen, Phyllis. She's one of our bright stars. It's not that men are not important. Let me clarify that from the beginning. But the women are important too. And in the history of humanity, let's face it, women have been treated not just second class, but often as third class. And so today there is a strong recompense, a strong reckoning that's taken place for all the history of all the ignorance and avoidance that men have given to women. It's not what God wants. Listen to what the Scripture says from Exodus chapter 1. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we are. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase and in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Pharaoh starts out his reign by adding piles of fear. Beware of leaders that reign with fear. Therefore, the Egyptian people set taskmasters over those Israelites to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Pithom and Ramses for Pharaoh. Those are supply cities for military action. What happens if they are attacked? We need to make sure our military is supported. So we're going to build these cities to make sure that if we get into a fight, we can support them. But the more that the Israelites were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. So now we have fear moving toward dread. That's what happens when a country is driven by fear. They eventually become a country that's driven by dread. Dread of anybody who's different. The Egyptians became ruthless in their imposing task on the Israelites. The dread and the ruthlessness are connected. And they made their lives bitter with hard, imposing tasks in service in mortar and brick and every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed on them. Notice the number of obnoxious words in that paragraph. Moses is trying to deliver a strong message. The Egyptians became downright abusive. And it got worse and worse and worse and worse. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, notice, by the way, we've shifted from Israelites to Hebrews. We'll come back to that. One of whom was named Shifra, and the other was named Pua. Remember we said names count? When you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a boy, kill him, but if it is a girl, she shall live. 
But, remember what I've said about the word but. Whenever it appears in scriptures, God is doing something amazingly different and unexpected. But, the midwives feared God. And they did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them. Notice how everybody else is doing what Pharaoh wants. But these two midwives say basically, hell no. Can't you hear them saying, hell no, we're not going to do that. We're women. We're not going to do what the man tells us. Do I hear any, do I hear any amens to that? <laughs> Awfully quiet out there right now. When you act as midwives to the Hebrew women, if it's a boy, kill him. If it's a girl, she shall live. But the midwives feared God. And then Pharaoh says to them, Why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. Oh, I love this line. <laughs> For our women are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. Not like you wimpy Egyptian women. Now, you have to, I have to apologize for my little additions to Scripture. I admit that I'm adding a few lines there, but I think they're implied. So God dealt with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very strong. Well, that's the opposite of what Pharaoh wanted. Isn't that the great irony when we try to control things? The opposite happens. They get out of control. And because the midwives fear God, God gave them families, which is a sign of blessing. Then since all that didn't work, Pharaoh commanded all of his people, every boy that is born to the Hebrews you shall throw into the Nile, but you shall let every girl live. So Pharaoh has finally basically deputized every citizen of Egypt to kill slave boys. Wow. What do you think that does to the people of Egypt? Think about that. Let us pray. Oh Lord, help us to understand your scripture now and to apply it to our lives in following Jesus into the world and in, have this church following Jesus into this city and region. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Names are very important. Exodus starts out with the names of the 12 sons of Jacob. Jacob and his 12 sons. However, you find Jacob and 11 boys there because Joseph already lives in Egypt, even though Joseph is a son. You get the strong feeling that, that these 12 male names plus Joseph are very important. And guess what we have in the first two chapters of Exodus? We have 12 women plus Moses. Now here's the important thing to realize that we have missed so many times in history. It's not the blatant in-your-face stuff in Scripture that we should often pay attention to. It's the subtle, suggested, undercurrent patterns that God has human beings do. Because what do we call this era? We call it the patriarch era. As if patriarchs should rule, men should rule, and that's been carried on for generations. And what does Moses do as a representative of God in the very first chapter of Exodus? You've got to hear the whisper, the women are ruling before the men. We may end up dividing the church over this one, right? We have the boos and hisses over here and the amens over here. <laughs> and so let's listen to the quiet voice of a God who in chapter 1 is totally speechless. Notice that. God doesn't say a word in chapter 1. Who does all the talking? Pharaoh and the women. And who wins that conversation? The women win it. Moses is giving us a clear message. My leadership came out of strong women. 
the men basically were gone at this point in the story. Whatever happened to the men, we don't know. It's not that the men are important, but what, what Moses is trying to get us to understand is women in leadership impact historical faith transitional change. And that's true. That's one of the reasons I'm a Presbyterian, because we affirm women in leadership. There are many churches around us today that do not. Let's face it, we live in an arena of churches where women are still less than men when it comes to leadership and honor. Now, if you're here in worship today, you by presence are affirming that you affirm women in leadership. Now, you may want to exit at this point. Because there are many churches where you can go where that's not affirmed. And if you don't affirm it, you know where you can go. <laughs> now, if I get a little edgy in Exodus, it's because I think Exodus is a little edgy. God's a little edgy in Exodus. There are two names that are held up in high esteem here. You notice that Pharaoh is nameless. We never get the name of Pharaoh. By the way, in Egyptian history, every Pharaoh and king of any value is named. There are a lot of nameless people in Egyptian history, but the pharaohs all have names. What does it tell us about how God feels about that in this text in Exodus? The two women are named, and Pharaoh is not. That is not a pro-Egyptian leadership statement. One observation that was made in the last church that I was the interim pastor was when you looked on the walls of the history of First Presbyterian Church of Dallas, Texas, you saw a whole list of men in pastoral leadership responsibilities. And you couldn't find one woman's name in the entire wall. And one woman came up to me while I was looking at that wall and she says, this wall sucks. I said it's, and she said it sucks the life out of women. She said, there are a lot of women that made this church great, and they're nowhere to be found on this wall. And so this is important to remember. Women are a little off the wall, okay? <laughs> women are typically not the ones that are listed in the great pantheon of leadership but they are here. Pua and Shifra, two women, two midwives. Names count. Let's note the name that moves him, chapter 1, regarding Israel. Israel is the name that Jacob is given when he struggles with God on the way in the wilderness one night. So he's literally given the name Struggler of God, or Struggler with God, Israel. And a whole nation is given that name, strugglers with God. And we walk in that path of Israel in the strugglers with God. But here's the shift between the first part of chapter 1 and the second part of chapter 1. It moves from calling the nation Israelites to calling them Hebrews. What is a Hebrew? A Hebrew is somebody who doesn't belong an outsider, somebody who is from outside the borders, an immigrant, a refugee. And what Egypt has done is enslaved every one of them because they don't belong to the nation, the citizenship of Egypt. And Pharaoh has here declared, those outsiders were going to make slaves, they don't belong. I won't say a thing about our current situation. But beware when we are more preoccupied with people who shouldn't belong to us than we are preoccupied with who God has invited in. 
Hebrews are the ones that God is blessing. God is not blessing the Egyptians under the rule of Pharaoh. And so it is that Moses has the theology of the Hebrews, is the theology of outsiders, of slaves, of people who are not wanted, who are refugees, who are living outside the bounds. They're living on the edges. And God loves them. Now, the bit of irony here is that the women have a double loss. They're not just the Hebrew slaves, but they're also the women of the Hebrew slaves, and they have a double rejection. Women who are slaves are less valuable than men who are slaves. And so it is that the current cultural context is big here. When we are living in an era when women are saying, notice us too. We are leaders too. Give us equal pay. Give us dignity and honor that we might deserve. It's the fulfillment of a long pattern that God has wanted for humanity from the beginning of time. And we've refused to engage it. The household of Pharaoh is heavy-handed. There's always a contrast in Exodus, and we'll come back to this, between the household of Pharaoh and the household of God. And there's a choice to be made. Do you serve the household of Pharaoh, or do you serve the household of God? My dad was a wonderful Christian man, but sometimes he became like Pharaoh. And you had to choose whether you were going to serve God or serve dad. And sometimes he overstepped his bounds and he thought he was God. Men, let's watch that one. My mom was always quick to point out when he overstepped his bounds. I can remember her saying, John, you don't know what you're talking about. Because he'd overstepped his bounds. Pharaoh has overstepped his bounds. He does not know what he's talking about, and he makes a hell of a mess out of his entire nation because of his strong, bigoted view of reality. He is built in fear and manipulation, probably because he's a paranoid schizophrenic. Other than that, he's a healthy man. This fall, there's going to be a prequel to the comic book movies and animated movies regarding Wonder Woman. That prequel is a statement of what happens to Diana, the princess of the Amazons, before she becomes so famous. If you remember the movie, if you didn't have a chance, I'll just give you a little vignette. When, before Diana leaves the areas of the Amazon, she notices that there's somebody in this strange-looking thing called an airplane who crashes in the ocean, and Diana goes and saves him in the water. Where was Moses saved? In the water. There's a little bit of a twist in that DC comic, you see, where women save men who are in the water. They're too deep to swim. And so it is that Moses is saved by Pharaoh's daughter. Now, isn't that an interesting twist? Pharaoh has commanded all of the people of the nation, including his daughter, to kill every boy that is born of the Hebrews. And Pharaoh's own daughter says, no, I'm not going to do that. That tells you how much clout Pharaoh really has with the women of the nation. You see, chapter 1 isn't about just the Hebrew women rising up and saying no. It's about his own household women saying no. I remember the time that my household of women, my dad's household of women, rose up and said no to him. It was a Christmas 
My mother had a pattern of Christmas and Thanksgiving to cook these huge meals, just piles and piles of food for as many as 30 to 40 to 50 people. And she would also clean all the dishes. And then when several of us got married, the spouses started help cleaning the dishes. And finally, the women of the household, married to the sons of my mother, said, basically, enough is enough. We're not doing this anymore. And they said to mom, mom, we're going to get you a dishwasher. And dad heard the conversation and he came up behind them and he said, we have a dishwasher already. It's called mama. (laughs) Well, you know what happened after that? (laughs) Hell no, Pharaoh. And there was a dishwasher in that house just about a week later. Men, we respect the women and we honor what they do and what their leadership capacities are and we are better men because of it. But we can let our pharaonic disposition loose and make real idiots of ourselves. And that's what Pharaoh does. Now, I'm preaching this sermon as a big white man. I know what what that is. I know what I am. I've had advantages of being a six-foot-six, 250-more-pound white guy leading the church. There's a real advantage in that, particularly in the era that I grew up in. But I can tell you that the voices of my dad and my mother both haunt my head. And my mom is the quiet voice who basically told Pharaoh no. And I respect that in a woman. And I hope, men, you respect it too. Because the first chapter of Exodus is about the women who tell Pharaoh no. And about the hunger that women have throughout the world and throughout history of saying to Pharaoh no. And how that changed history and produced one of the greatest leaders we've ever had in Moses. Let us never forget that Moses would not have come if it hadn't been for the women. Let us pray. O Lord, grant that we might walk in your way, the way of Jesus, who showed us how to love and respect the women in leadership and service. Through Christ we pray. Amen. And so as you give today, you give as a full participant in the kingdom of God and the pattern that the ancient people of God supported and thrived in, which is the partnership of women and men in leadership This congregation values both and affirms both. People who give here give so that we might have joint heirs in Christ. And isn't that a wonderful thing, continuing in an era when there aren't a lot of churches that do so?
And so we sing of your goodness and we give to your goodness that you will bring goodness through these gifts of who we are and what you've given to us that you might bring strength and energy to the leadership of our nation and our world and our church that they might fear God and walk in your ways. Through Christ we pray. Amen. This is the table of Jesus. Jesus lived a life where he invited men and women to follow. And when he was gone, he invited both men and women to lead and to serve. And this is the table where all are invited to learn to serve and to lead in the pattern of Jesus. And so, may the Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. O Lord, we do give you thanks. At your word, the earth was made and spun on its course among the planets. Your hand formed us in your image and set us among your creatures to love and to serve you. You know each of us by name. When we were slaves in Egypt, you broke the bonds of our oppression you brought us through the sea to freedom. When we were unfaithful to you, you kept faith with us and called us back through the prophets to turn again to your ways. We give you thanks, O God, for Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, whom you sent to deliver us from bondage to death and slavery to sin. He lived as one of us, sharing our joys and our sorrows, Tempted as we are, yet he lived without sin. The cup of suffering which he drank has become for us the cup of salvation. In his death, he ransomed us from death's dominion. In his resurrection, he opened the way to eternal life. So gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon these gifts of bread and cup that the bread we break and the cup we bless may be for us the body and blood of Jesus Christ. As this is Christ's body for us, send us out to be the body of Christ in the world, even as we pray for the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body given for you. Eat of this in remembrance of me. And then at the end of the meal, Jesus turned on his microphone. <laughs> and said, this cup is the new covenant 
in my blood which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. The apostle said, as often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we demonstrate the Lord's sacrificial life and death until he comes again. The gifts of God for the people of God. The ushers will bring you a row at a time. We invite you to come forward and take a bit of bread and dip it in the cup and commune and then go back to your seats by the side aisle. If you need it, there is gluten-free bread. And if it's hard for you to get up, please let the ushers know. We would be very happy to come to you and to bring it to you. To his table, he bids us come. He has poured the cup. He has set the place. And he says, there is always room for one more. So come to this table, you who have been here often, and you who have not been here for a long, long time. You who have done your best to follow Jesus, and you who feel like you have lost your way, come, all is ready, come.
We thank you, O oh God, that here at this table you have met us and you have given us your Son. So strengthen us in your service that our daily living may show our thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Take my If you need prayer this morning, we invite you to come forward to meet with our prayer ministers. They would love to pray with you and for you. The word blessing comes out of the Old Testament writings of Moses. It means that God is going to kneel before us and help us to succeed and send us on our way of success. God does that for both men and women. Help us to go out and then bless others because God has knelt before us and blessed us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace, shalom, wholeness of life. Amen.